How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 18. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Not too bad. Was this take three? <laughs> take three? No, it's not take nah, three. This is the first right. time. We are first time Absolutely. professionals. We know what we're doing. Absolutely. How are you, Jake? I'm all right. This, this, this little experience just now remind me of the... The uh, unenthusiastic surprise birthday. Nah, it was fun. But Wait, we. What's no, that? No, explain. No, we were doing a surprise party last night for a friend um, mm-hmm. for a 21st. And we were just waiting inside. Like, keep in mind, I pretty much don't know any of these guys because all of my friends who I know from the party are the ones driving her over. So ah. I'm in a dark room. I can't see shit with a bunch of strangers. And was we, it an intimate experience? It was quite intimate, you know, and uh, I was just, um, it wasn't me, but someone said like, oh, we should just do the unenthusiastic surprise. So when she opens the door, everyone's like, surprise, hey. And then we gave it a try and we all like lost it. And it was like, nah, we need to be, we need to be serious. <laughs> That's, <a bit laughs> That's what this reminded me of somehow. Oh, because we this, didn't sound enthusiastic. Get, Is that what you're saying? No, no, no I was saying that we could have started with that. Oh, we could have started with that. Hi, guys. I'm Jake. Look at episode 18. You know, when we get to episode like, I don't know, like 57. 50, yeah. Get something like a little bit later on. Like we're yeah. about to die. We should just. Like, <laughs> we're about to die in 2020. <laughs> Get halfway through like a production, we're just dead as a door now. Yeah. No, we always bring energy to Cinema Sideshow. Of course, matter, this is an energetic room we're in. I think so, and we really brought the power last week, so we've got to keep it going. I know. You know yeah, that's true. Very, we're very adults tight this week, we're week. 18, so... Wait, what? Ah, well, ah, yeah, exactly. Almost two decades old. Yep, that's how it works. <laughs> no, Jake, what, uh, what movies you caught this week? Quite a lot in the past week. Whoa, busy week. Yeah, I got a bit of a chronological tale for you, actually. Mm. Um, I mean, I, uh, I think I saw five or s- I think five films. Lordy, you're way better than me. Oh my, I think I think we were reversing. Yeah, I know. You used to catch like seven a week, and I was like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I caught I think four this week. Okay. Well, I think I think I know where one of them leads because like, so last week I think we need to clarify this because I think at the end of last week we said that John Wick three had the special screening yes and that it wasn't out until this week but it has been out now i think we messed it up yeah i thought it was getting released on may 23rd that's what i thought i think it it came out the day after we saw it so maybe maybe they forwarded it a week i swear i mean we talked about this with detective pikachu i said detective pikachu i didn't realize it was out here yeah we talked about on the show it not coming out for another month but it's already here yeah people watching it's already here so um what's going on no, uh, yeah, so we caught the pre-screening of John Wick. Yeah, well, leading up to the pre-screening, because yeah. I hadn't seen any of the John Wicks. So we get, we get what, well, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. you and Jack, you're yeah. like, all right, guys, we're going to do this, like, Wednesday. We're going to watch it on Wednesday night. And I was mm-hmm. like, yep, okay, here, Jack, here's my payment for the ticket. This is my commitment. So I got I got a 24-hour period. Well, I guess, yeah, at that, at that point, a 24-hour 20 hour period to get to John Wick 3 and watch mm-hmm. the first two. So I set I set my dinner on my computer Time desk. Time of the essence. Times of the essence. I sat my dinner down on the computer desk, opened up Netflix. I'm like, ooh, I haven't seen Zodiac before. So I just watched Zodiac instead, a two hour forty minute film. <laughs> did you enjoy Zodiac? Um, I did quite enjoy Zodiac. Uh, very much. Uh, I mean, you know, our boy, our boy Davy, mm-hmm. Davy Fincher, David Fincher. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's Davey Fincher. If it's Davey he, Fincher now. He's your boy. It's like Jones, Davey Jones. I don't know. Yeah. Nah, he's a great director. It, it, was, was, it was a good I mean, Zodiac was number seven in my uh, 365. Oh, so you've only seen it this year too? Yes. Oh, 
Okay. So I caught it at, it was number seven or number eight. And, okay. um, gave it like an eight, I think. Okay, eight out of yeah. ten. Um, if I recall, enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I, re- I mean, I really enjoy it. Obviously, the performances, the direction, like all that stuff's great. Um, I did have issues with uh, some of like the pacing and stuff because even though this film reviewed really well, I had big issues. I was like, this is way too long. Mm. And it, it's just such a dry spell of a pace. But here's the thing. it's it's The film is very much hailed for its like historical accuracy. So mm. I can really respect on that front because it is based on a very real you know, yeah. situation. Uh, I really like... Um... It definitely has a, a weird pacing c- simply because it has to almost incorporate every yeah, Zodiac-related um, incident. Yeah. And um, I really enjoyed it. I, I think that scene, I mean, from an analytical point of view, I've looked at that basement scene between uh, oh, we talked about that, um, yeah. Bob Vaughn and uh, Graysmith, uh, well, the characters. Oh, right, but, sorry. Yeah, yeah um, but really good scene. Of mm. like building great, tension. Great tension scene, yeah, and you know we 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 get taught taught a lot about how scenes can very much be short films in their own right, and I feel like and that's one that sequence definitely. Hell, the um, opening is yeah. a so short film with the you know the teens and the car and the fucking oh, love that hurdy, was amazing hurdy gurdy man. Oh, that such was, a great way to finish that was a, a scene. That was amazing opening. Yeah, yeah, nah, awesome. Um, yeah, but like I said, I'm I'm happy for that to be trumped by the fact that it's a very historically accurate script. Yeah. So, uh, big points. And then for it that. was also the first, um, film to use uh, uncompressed digital. That's right. I did read about did that. It, a lot of interesting like historical stuff. Um, cinema. Yeah, cinematography historical significance. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, the first uh, in modern cinema to use uncompressed digital. So I yeah. thought that was really interesting. Which is why. As, as Jack puts it, it has, like, a very digital look to it. Like, very sleeky smooth. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. And you, you, it, I mean, it goes on with these other films. Like, Social Network as well has a very mm. unique look because of the cameras they use and that kind of thing. Yeah. Is it the same? Yes. Pardon me. Same cinema. Same okay, cinema. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, and they shot a lot of exteriors with green screen, like, mm. in the, like, wide open streets. You know, and I guess because there were period pieces, it was easier to do it on green screen, eh? Yeah. Very impressive green screen. It was really good. But um, yeah. But having seen like those behind the scenes footage before watching this film, I was like, oh great, yeah, this is a green screen scene. But it's still very well done. So moving from Zodiac, you moved into John Wick. So I ended up watching that first John Wick that night because I was like, that's it's not going to happen because I was like, I was writing my script and stuff, and I was doing all this stuff. And it was like twelve and twelve thirty, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do it. So I was up to two two thirty in the morning watching the first John Wick, and I quite thoroughly enjoyed it. It's pretty hard not to. Yeah. No, it's it's a really great film. I think I think it's fair game for me to talk about these first two John Wicks now. Absolutely. Um we I mean we kind of already said it in the last episode. We are definitely doing John Wick three next week. Yeah. As I mean so we're not so, gonna talk about that too much this week. Episode nineteen will be John Wick. Yeah. Oh Parabellum. Yeah. Which I'm very but, excited to talk about. So which means we we can definitely talk about the first two and then just exclude three until next week. Yeah, basically. absolutely. I mean, that was the cool thing. I saw this entire trilogy within a twenty-four hour span, which is pretty cool, given the how number two ends. But we can get to that when you get to number oh, two. Oh, absolutely, great! Um, like lead in, um, yeah. Because you didn't have that experience. Obviously, you had to wait chunks of time. No, I watched uh, one and two together, but it was in the same sort of instance. I watched one and then went and saw two in the cinema. Oh, okay. So That's cool. And then and I did, held I did out the for next this step. One. Yeah, so nice. I watched one, really enjoyed it. Two had just been released, went and saw that in the cinema, and then obviously just waited like everyone else for three. And then as yeah. soon as Jack was like, 
there's a pre-screening, I was like, well, I'll be going to that. <laughs> well, because honestly, this year I think cinematically, uh, like going to the theatre, that movie was probably the movie I was looking forward to the most in oh, the first yeah, half of the year. Absolutely. And didn't disappoint, but we can talk about that next week. Oh, definitely a movie. You're right, a movie like that on the big screen, especially just watching the other two on Netflix mm-hmm. on my small little computer screen was different experience. Yeah. It was great. But no, I really enjoyed the first. I mean, the first two I can talk about kind of together. Um, yeah, I was going to actually mention this. Those first, like, that first scene or two in the first John Wick, it, it felt like a mash between Home Again and the depend, uh, Pretender to me. Which which part? Well, like, you got you got the stuff with, like, him and his wife, and it's kind oh, of yeah. flashing back a little bit. Uh, but then it cuts back to him with, like, the alarm clock going off. He's lying in bed by himself. And so I'm like, this feels like a mash of those two shorts we made. <laughs> Pretty funny. I thought it was great, yeah. Um, Subconsciously taking the ideas and putting them somewhere else, right? Yeah, That's maybe. It, it really, it just, it, I was like, oh, look, it's James Norton <laughs> as John Wick sure, for I'm a sure minute. James wouldn't complain about being compared to Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God, Keanu Reeves. I've been watching the, like, all the behind-the-scenes videos now. I feel, mm. I feel like I'm allowed to now. Yeah. Well, just him. There's video... You know, the videos have been, like, being interviewed and, like, they, like, puppies kind yeah. of attack him while he's answering questions. Just, he's a, he's he's a so treasure. Chill. He's a treasure. Just goes and sits in the street and drinks with a homeless man because he can. Yeah, I love all the sad Keanu Reeves kind of bench thing that became <laughs> a meme or something. That was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the sad, sad Keanu Reeves. Um, no, but he's so great. And obviously the way he trains for these films mm-hmm. is just like insane i think it, it comes back to um so which one did you prefer out of the first two um ooh, that's a tricky one because here's the thing i respect about the series is that um the action sequence which is obviously what kind of these films are renowned for i appreciate i appreciate that they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. throughout so i kind of respect the fact that two does more interesting things than one in terms of like bringing in like almost the, a dog fight in car form right at the mm-hmm. start of two. And I love that. That's my, probably my second favorite sequence in these films. And then the, my first favorite we'll get into next week. Oh, a little teaser. Yes. Um, but I, so I appreciate that front as opposed to like the first one, the gun, the gun stuff got a little old for me quick. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, he's very quick and gets lots of headshots. Um, and I, I appreciated that as the series went along, it got way more varied with more hand yeah. hand stuff, um, more hand stuff, uh, more car stuff, and obviously yeah. we get a bit more ridiculous down the line. But um, but it's still I love it. it. But the funny part with the ridiculous part is because it's so physical. Unlike um, you know, if we take another Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. trilogy in the Matrix, yeah where it goes absurd quite quickly mm. and to the point where by the third one you're like, this is just ridiculous. Whereas every time it's absurd in John Wick, it's still him doing it. So to an extent, there's still reality yeah. grounded in it. I admit it's a it's a skewed reality, but mm. it's still like, well, he's not turned into a CGI man and he's flipping because that's the only way he can do a flip. Yeah. No, he's doing, you know, like wrestling holds and like putting people in proper situations where he can actually yeah. physically do the, the stunt. No, well, you're exactly right. It's because it's him doing it and the camera's showing you, like, yes, this is him. We're showing you wides. We're showing you long takes. Yeah. And it goes into the immersion. That's what the directors talk about. Yeah. That's an interesting thing as well. There's only one director credited. Yeah, well, we've talked about that. Have whole, we talked about that? Um, when we left the theatre, yeah. Um, okay. Because I did a little research. I was curious about it because the film's only credited as one director, but it was very publicly co-directed. Yeah, uh, by two people. One. Yeah, and uh, I think it was just apparently just a Hollywood kind of 
terminology thing or some something, which is weird because there's a lot of co-directors nowadays. Yeah. So, but, um, um, but the other director went on to go do Deadpool 2 Deadpool and Atomic 2 Blonde. Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde, yep. And While the other guy... Um, stuck with John Wick. What's his name? Chad? Staleski. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah. he, he's stuck on to do uh, John Wick 2 and 3. So yeah. And I honestly awesome. think they're both... I mean, I know people don't like Deadpool 2 as much as 1, but... I, think it's I a really bit... don't like Deadpool 2. Really? We I talked don't... about some Blue Velvet. Wow. Back in the day. Um, I was wearing a Blue Velvet shirt the other day. That's off topic. Um, <laughs> wow. Going back. No. Um, I don't mind Deadpool 2. And I don't... I, I actually gave Atomic Blonde quite a good rep. I quite enjoyed yeah. Atomic Blonde. Okay. Not everyone did. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Has some really good long takes in that one. And I... I don't know. I'm not a big Charlize Theron fan, but I really do like her in this film. And okay. I like James McAvoy in it too, so it's like a good mix. Yeah. Um. But no, I think those films are both pretty adequate. They're not on the... I like all the John Wick movies more, but I think that's just my personal opinion. I've got a no, bias I... to this trilogy now, I think. Well, this trilogy, it's very well, it's very well done, mm. very consistent, and I think... Um, uh, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say from next week that I think the third one is my favourite. Mm-hmm. But again, that goes into what I was saying earlier with the, the series just keeps upping itself. I think almost that seems to be the general consensus why this one, one is being the most critically acclaimed, but also yep. it's it's exactly, it's because it's continuous, but it's also consistent. Yeah. You know, whereas the, like it's, you know, to an extent, the Fast and Furious films have got to a point of consistently being the same sim like they yeah, all yeah. fit in the same bracket with each other and yeah they're dumb films but you know exactly what you're getting into when you're watching a fast and furious yeah film. yeah whereas these ones because they're a little bit more grounded because they see co- authenticity yeah which is what keep... people are appreciating and the fact that they're not just making uh films they're elevating the films each time and making yeah. them more interesting and building the universe more and more and i mean stalisky's commented on the fact that every time he makes one he doesn't know if he's getting greenlit for the next one yeah which is a great um, approach to go by and but he still leaves them with relatively open endings because he's tried to because basically at this point it's building this like legendary archetype yeah character and each uh, film is basically just it builds on the last one, but it also is a independent story. Yeah, and well, I would say the second one through, and I mean this is common with most like trilogies or anything that goes past mm. two movies, is that the story from two on feels very continuous. Yeah, more so can, than the first one. It's a good thing to compare it to like Lord of the Rings or something like that. Mm. Whereas Fellowship, you could stand on its own, but I yeah. feel like Two Towers and and Return of the King. Well, uh, even A New Hope going yeah. on forward. <laughs> exactly. You know? And then from An Empire Strikes Back, it's like, okay, there's very much a plan to continue past this story. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's why I think people like the first one the most generally. But I think I still like the first one better, despite what I'm saying. With Yeah, to yeah, absolutely. I, I the think the third the... one's my, my favourite so far, but yeah. we can talk about that more next week. But uh, Yeah, uh, did, absolutely. Did you catch anything else? Um... Other than the John Wicks, uh, actually, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, Zodiac, then the John Wick, all three in the one mm-hmm. hit, and then uh, our film of the week, which we'll get to very soon. Yeah. What so, did you say? I saw a couple of films in the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, last week. Yeah. Sorry, beg my pardon. Um, I saw 
Oh, here we go. I saw Gridiron Gang, which is the okay. rock. Speaking of Fast and Furious and The Rock, <laughs> I saw... I'm going to put up my review probably later tonight for it. I'm up to 111 films now, so oh, 111, wow. 112. I'm up to 51, so I'm catching up a little you bit. You are catching up. Um, didn't you say that with your count, you were in November last year? Was... Yeah, this. so at 51 films last year was like mid-November. So I'm ahead of schedule. When well, last year I was six months ahead of yourself. Yeah, because last year I was doing the same challenge you. I was actively pursuing that challenge. Yeah. Now I'm just like, oh, watch what I watch, and I'm already like basically ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. So well, I can't imagine you're only going to watch eleven films in the next seven months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you never know, Zeke. Um, but <laughs> no, I watched Gridiron Gang. Just didn't enjoy it. I've had a couple of real average sport movies. I I consistently look for a. The next big sport movie they haven't watched. Yeah. I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm looking for my Warriors or my Miracle oh, man. or my Friday Night Lights, and I I keep watching though, and I keep going. Maybe I should like I start watching these like ones like Gridiron Gang or My All American. And I'm like, yeah. I get 20 minutes in, and I go, God, Coach Carter's on Netflix. Maybe I should just watch <laughs> Coach Carter. <laughs> but no, I stuck that out. It wasn't great. Um, I rewatched Hell or High Water, which. Uh, You've kind of got the look going on yeah, right um, now. So, to our lovely listeners, um, <laughs> I do have a beard, generally, but I figured, because Jake's doing like a photo shoot or something tonight, I thought I'd do something a bit stupid, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I decided to go with a handlebar moustache for yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sure uh, if you follow Jake on any of his social media, you'll get to see Literally it. any social media will be up eventually. It'll be, it'll be up eventually. So, um, Let me just take a photo for, of you right now yeah, for listeners. But to... It's pretty funny because um, I've never goes. done a handlebar before. and i got to get another one. I really... <laughs> I'm kind of digging it. I'm wearing like the plaid shirt and the... Uh, the nice boots and all that jazz, As but hell or high water. You rewatched today. Fucking hell, Jake. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Okay. That movie is just. I just love the like. I I would love to do one of my directors. I don't think I've seen it in the future. Will be centered around. Uh, I think it's Taylor Sheridan who wrote, and mm. I'd love to talk about. I think his first uh, writer director was his directorial Sicario. Debut. Sicario. Don't hold me to that, Jesse. Um, <laughs> But I'm pretty sure it was Sakari. Jesse's already got his phone out. Um, I can so, see you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that, and I would love to talk about all three of them. I'd love to talk about Sicario, Wind River, and Hella mm, High Water as a as okay. a collective. But um, yeah, no, honestly, that film just. I remember the first time I watched it, I fell in love with it, and I don't think I've ever not fallen in love with it since then. And I think the performances by Chris Pine and Ben Foster are just astronomical and. Hopefully, uh, in the coming months, you might get to see uh, the indirect homages that we want to tackle with one of our future films that correlate to Hell or High Water. So I rewatched that, yep. and um, pretty much uh, it was a pretty quiet week other than that, and John Wick 3, and our film of the week for me. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. But I do want to shift cool. before uh, we crack on into our movie of the week. Well, uh, I, have a, I have a few things I want to talk about, but you go and you go ahead first. Yeah, wait with uh, regarding just a lot of just a career lot of... based things. No, not necessarily career based. Okay, if you want to tackle that first, you can. I would like to tackle the career based things. So as of Friday, mm-hmm. we've put up our latest premiere YouTube uh, 
the video. Remind, the I think it's a reminder. I think it's a reminder that there's this thing now where you can upload the video, literally schedule it, and it and calls it tells a premiere. Your subscribers. Which I love. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I think it's a great feature to have on YouTube. And um, it's uh, our documentary from late last year. We've credited it as 2019, but it was shot in the latter parts of Well, you're releasing it in 2019. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's only fair to call it a 29 document, a 19 documentary. And yeah. it's uh, Unsheltered, which was a short documentary that was shot and developed in the later parts of 2018 with uh, myself, Jack Bett and Chloe Holmes, who have both been guests on the show. Mm. Um, and it basically talks about the homeless problem that we have in Perth, Western Australia. Talks about some of the stories that some of those people that we met over that about month and a half to two months of shooting. It might have been three. It was a big chunk a of pretty, time, yeah. A pretty big time. Um, I kind of... Uh, it was done and finished and we tried to push it into a couple of festivals and didn't land any this time, but, you know, it's it's all a... It's a marathon, so yeah. that was the other day, the um unlocked one, wasn't it? Yeah, I would I would have gone to it, but I was <laughs> I was going to Superwogs instead. Mm. Superwogs live. Yeah, well, you enjoyed it though. <laughs> I did enjoy it. It was fun. That's... We still had a missing seat. <laughs> oh, but honestly, right. yeah, no, it was it, it was a lot of um. I mean, it would be wrong to say it was fun in the sense of it still it tackles pretty heavy topics, and but we're very proud of it. Um, it was definitely, it was our first real dive into the documentary genre mm. and we're pretty proud of what we developed in that time frame. I know you released yours earlier in I the year. I did, because we did our docos kind of next door to each other almost. And I yeah. did mine on, um, dis- well, Dispelling Dyslexia, which came out on Clicker in December. It was like yep. a week before Cradle came out. It was, um, yeah, a big couple of weeks. That was a big uh, couple of weeks right at the end there. Yeah. And we saw Cat Empire in between those two releases. And didn't <laughs> two, you announce two disconnected screening? No, that, that was like February 1st. We oh, but you knew that you were going to do it. I'm I didn't sure. know what date yet. Yeah. I was still a little optimistic about it at that time when it was coming out. But, ah. Oh, we got it. Out. Well, no, um, honestly, yeah, it was it was a tough couple of months. We're really proud to bring it out. And it's uh, kind of our last bit of content uh, from that block of time. So... Gotta do a bit of a push now, eh? Yeah, no, well, it means we're gonna tackle some bigger things in the next couple of months, mm. so I'm pretty keen to get on and develop those ideas in the next... Honestly, starting in the next couple of weeks, so this is sort of that last sort of, like, look, yeah. this is uh, the from that, that, that collection of shorts and yeah. stuff block, and now we're moving into our next and biggest challenge yet mm. so well, it, was, it was it was quite clever to have like a lot of those projects from last year and kind of hold off for a lot of it and then have home again released in january have you know this film coming out now we were able to get the pretender out in the month ago yeah. yeah in the meantime so yeah i'm i'm kind of on that push i got a lot of stuff in post which is exciting yeah um and hopefully a lot of that plus the disconnected dvd which we have like publicly come out so like yep dvd's happening we're having a bunch of bonus features and stuff um, hopefully that's all done by like July. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have said that. Oh, there you go. Estimated yeah. release July. You gotta, you gotta stop penciling in dates. I know. I... I was so good with the premiere. I kept my mouth shut and everything. Now, I'm, oh well, July it is. We'll see. We'll see. That's a. We're doing good though. We're doing good. Yeah. We're just we're just shooting. Well, it's doing... good to have a lot of things in post. You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then other videos like the the factual that's going on and um, what was the other one? Am I blanking on this? 
There's, mm. a, there's I swear that oh, I'm talking about X Rental. I'm very silly. That's almost wrapped though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do some final contact stuff tomorrow, and then hopefully get that last interview in check. Yeah, no, be cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Unsheltered coming out this Friday. Yeah, on ZKJ at uh ten thirty in the morning. Very nice, not a bad time. Um, All right, cool. Well, I before we jump into our main film of the week. Yep. I want to I want to dive into a few things because as as a show we don't tend to get into very topical news related things. Not generally. Um, no. Not generally. I think uh, we like to pride ourselves, and if if you scroll through our list of episodes and you find a film you like that you want to hear us talk about, you don't have to suffer through too much kind of period news stuff that might not be relevant a year or two from now. Whenever yeah, it's all pretty general. It. It's stuff from the week, stuff in our careers, which is just cataloging our progression as younger filmmakers. Exactly. However, uh, we're going to change that this week because there was a lot of stuff that got talked about that I think we should talk about. Okay. So just some, some interesting tidbits. So uh, we had a few, you know, trailers or whatever come or some announcements this week. Yep. Uh, the Black Mirror Season 5 trailer came out. It did. And it releases early June. So pretty close. Did you see that trailer? I did. I watched it with you, didn't I? I, I Who thought did you, I watch weren't it you with? in the, f- oh no, you were in the back seat with me, weren't you? Yeah. We got out of Chapter 3, John Wick, we were in the car. I think it was, I think it was mm. Jack and Jay yeah, in the Mackey front. Andrew in it. Yeah, it's got um, Andrew Mackie. Did I say Andrew? Andrew Mackie? It's Anthony. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. And Miley Cyrus and uh, Topa Grace. They're all in this. So that's exciting. Yeah. It's only three episodes this time, but I don't, I don't mind because... Well, actually, it was only four last season. And with Bandersnatch that came out. And with Bandersnatch, it's like a five and a half hour film, yep. basically. So it's fair enough, in my opinion. They also came out and announced that Rick and Morty season four is coming out in November. Did also see that this year. A little so. bit surprised. Yeah, I honestly that's thought, even making it. <laughs> yeah, all. honestly, I thought what is it, Dan Harmon? Um, I honestly thought kind of after this is weird, bit of a meltdown phase he went through. I I don't actually know what happened with season three. Something about half of the fan base was commenting on how the other half were toxic, and well, okay, here's here's the thing. Because I'm a big Rick and Morty fan. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen all three seasons. Yeah, yeah, cool. I saw I saw when they started that show. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I, I caught on a little later, but I was in there for the thick of the mm. Where the Hell Season 3 It's not like my base. top kind of yeah, animated yeah, 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 show. Yeah. Like, I think Archer's still... Oh, yeah, yeah, Archer, yeah. and I honestly think F is for Family has made me laugh a okay, lot. Okay, yeah. And, and then I've got BoJack as well, so it's it's yeah. not on the top of the list for either of us. Yeah. But we appreciate the show. Damn, i got to get on BoJack. Oh, you got it, man. Um, season six later this year as well. Mm. Uh, I kind of, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I, I hope it starts to win down and end soon. Okay. Bojack, I'm, I'm just shocked that it's this good for uh, so long that I'm like, you're scared. I'm scared. I'm, you're like, I'm close terrified. To the, you're getting close to the cliff. I, I know. I honestly got into season five, being like, are they gonna be able to do it again? Because mm. I, I'm like shocked they did it for season four, and it was like perfect, and they did it again in season five. I'm like, okay, but you know, it's kind of the Breaking Bad effect, right? When you yeah. get to the end of season four you know, and you're like, I don't know how they're like, going to land five. And they land better? five yeah. and six if you count. 5B, they call it. Is that what they call it? They call it 5B. Eight and eight. Silly. Um, it is a little silly, but you know, I, guess it's it was, I guess it was cheaper <laughs> for them to do it that way. It's six. <laughs> um, no, the whole, okay, so the whole thing with Frick and Morty season three is that, um, you're, I mean, you're right, the, the fan base got uh, huge between those breaks, season two and season three, because like I know because I was yeah. one of those people who joined in that period we just look at all of the uh the celebrity voice actors that come in season three there's quite I mean, a nathan big... fillion is in the right first the episode oh he's so good in it yeah 
I think that's my favorite episode. But I think that's that's the thing. It's the jump. And, like, you can tell between two and three that there is a production elevation, even in the animation and every every sort of element. I, I suppose. I think my issue with three, and I think this is the same issue a lot of people have with Game of Thrones, which I also kind of want to talk about, uh-huh. is a lot of people are just not happy with the writing of mm-hmm. season three. That kind of dips and dives. And I kind of, I see what it means. I think there's a lot of issues with season three. Made me laugh. I, th- I don't think the show needs to be more than what it needs. You know, uh, well, it does try to be. That's the but thing. This is my. Uh, this would be my counter for why I think you talk about um, BoJack a lot, and mm. um, BoJack's got those real undercut moments, right? In yeah. It, in it, and I think honestly, there probably is a lot of. You probably could draw a lot of parallels between the Rick and Morty, like inspiration of their even their pilot season up until now from BoJack, because yeah. BoJack's been running for ages. Uh, yeah, 2014, I think. I, I think, think they premiered roughly at the same time, or the same year. Maybe it's it's just a consent, maybe it's just trying to one-up each other in that sort of subverted, hard-hittingness. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think so. I think I think Rick and Morty does rely a little more on, on like, shock humour. You know, especially yeah. with the violence stuff. Bojack's not a violent show or anything. It just, it's I just very deep in a lot of places. no problems with season three. I thought it was funny. It was pretty harmless. Not really thought. I never got a thought-provoking thing, and a lot of there's that mind. I, I don't know. I, I think that show is is very self-aware, and I don't. Think I think that, it definitely will be this year. It'll be yeah. very self-aware. Uh, I think it's just a fine season, and I'm looking forward to the fourth season. It'll be nice to have a show that's a little. Yeah, you know, has those moments where I love. I love Chris Parnell in that show, <laughs> who voices Jerry. Um, yeah, because he's one of my favorite parts of Archer too, when he plays Cyril. Apparently um, he's a gun. Like the creators talk about how he's just like perfect in the booth every time he does a I've voice. I've left Chris Parnell even in real life when he does his real time acting too. Right, yeah. It's just like he's so funny. Like just his voice. It's just every. He's got a great voice. It's a voice that you just like. It's like when you like look at John Benjamin who voices Archer and yeah. you look at or Bob from Bob's Burgers and you're like. You're really your voice is just so much like not what you look like in real life. He's, <laughs> he's still funny, you know. Like I think that's I think that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm looking forward to the fourth season. I don't know about you. I no, I definitely am. Um, I mean, look, I, I talk about season three. It's I. This still has some of my favorite episodes. Now. I think the opening is probably my, the one they did on April Fools, which was super clever the way they did that. Mm. I think that's my favorite episode. It's so darn good and sharp and clever yeah. and I think the whole season's not up to that standard that's only my issue with it like I think the preceding episodes after that are like man then you get you get like the um the Atlantis one like the fake out Atlantis episode that's I also genius I need to go genius. back and really watch it because I don't think I can remember well the thing with the Atlantis episode is it, it was advertised as oh they're gonna go to Atlantis and then what it was is that was the first 30 seconds of the show and then it becomes like the the extended council of uh, Rick and Morty's. Yeah, um, I love that episode. That yeah, was an amazing yeah. episode. Yeah, it's a clever episode. I think. I think, sorry. I think, just, I think Harmon himself has had um, a pretty good run with comedies. I mean, he had Community. Yeah. Which came out before Rick and Morty, and he he actually left the show Community um, to make Rick and Morty. Yeah. Um, well, I think he was kind of forced out, wasn't it? The whole thing. Well, yeah, because they wanted the studios wanted it because. Community's peak seasons, if and I was a diehard community fan. I watched the first four seasons yep. like six or seven times in high school. And I think season two and season three are some of the funniest bits of TV yeah. I've ever watched. 
and and Harmon had a lot of issues with like Chevy Chase, who has been renowned oh, okay. for being, you know, horrific on sets. Mm. Um, and I think that, yeah, no, I just I I think that um he went on to do Rick and Morty, and then he had to go back because they wanted him back on Community, and he couldn't really save the show because people like uh you know um, Donald Glover were leaving, mm. um, yep. a lot of people leaving the show, and it kind of petered out, but. I think Harmon has a pretty good run for writing, and I think overall, I mean, you're going to have hit or miss on every comedy show. Yeah, no, absolutely. You and know, overall, he's a great writer. Like, the show's overall very well written. Yeah, I mean, you can look back at episodes in season one. Like, I think I remember season one's episodes probably the best. Yeah. Um, that Titanic episode, I just don't know what it is about it, but it's so funny. Ah, uh, um, I'm not a big fan of that one. I oh, okay. Uh, and I like... Um, I don't mind it, but yeah. Like Macho Jerry, like that... Like, <laughs> when the, the cold goes out of control and the entire world gets destroyed and then it leads yeah. to, like, Rick and Morty changing universes and having to bury their own bodies. Well, that, kind of... That's the first time in the series where you really click, this is what this show actually is. Yeah. It's an amazing moment. I remember me and my friend um, Caleb, who we, we did the gaming podcast together with our friend Christian, mm. we sat and with him when he watched that first season himself. And that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that episode. The great yeah, episode. When, yeah, they switch realities and they mm. have to bury themselves. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest switch in this entire show. Once you get there, you're sold. That was like done. a heavily, like, subverted. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then awesome. you were moving on to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I did want to talk about Game of Thrones because, like, so we're basically the day this goes up is the, is last, the last episode of the whole series. Episode of the series. Which is exciting. I don't know for me because I haven't seen it, but. You well, t- what do you uh, think of this? Because so Game yeah. of Thrones for me was I started watching the show in alignment to the show. Okay. Uh, so you know how like you start hearing about a show, but it's already a couple of seasons in. Yeah, you gotta catch and, up. But then you it becomes uh, you're in line with the show. Yeah. And I started watching the show. It had to be I think four episodes. So I started hearing about the show at the start of season three. Okay. And by episode four of that season, by the mid-season finale, which they did a lot, mm. so they'd do that thing where they'd they'd get to episode five and then they'd take a month off. It's and like then Walking Dead does that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and they started doing them in season three. And by the time we hit that mid-season finale, I'd caught up with the 20 episodes beforehand. Yeah. Because um, I bought the first two seasons on DVD and loved it. Loved it. Um, and I, the show is still... In you know, we're getting to the end, and obviously there's been so much controversy with this last season. But mm. um, I would just like to say that, like when I started watching it, we we would get by the end of season three when the red wedding hit. I remember, I remember sitting there with my laptop up at my face. Yeah, I yeah, never yeah. felt my heart skip that many. Like really felt it. The only time I ever had a moment like that with a television show was when. Uh, Hector dies. Is it Hector? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Explodes. In, yeah, in the face-off episode. And Breaking I think Bad. That was the first, the only other time I've ever felt that like. And even that bit when um the, the episodes prior to Hector dying. The crawl where, space? I think it's the one where he throws up in the toilet and kills all of the... Like, oh, when he, he drinks his own poison and then he has to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Out and everyone dies in the, around the mm-hmm. pool. That's cool. Loved it. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think... Um, the show became a thing where my friends would come over for, to watch the finale and watch the season premieres. And yep. we had bad moments. We had some 
fucking humdinger episodes that were amazing. And <laughs> this last season, look, I know there is now over a million people that have signed a petition. A million ungrateful pricks, in my opinion. Having not seen the show. I personally think change.org is the worst invention that we've ever had (laughs) in the history of mankind because it is literally a place where people can collect and have a rant about a show that they have no... Like, I have my problems with the show. I've always had my problems with the show and you're always allowed to approach any form of entertainment with a critical eye. But you cannot say to me that they should rewrite the show and believe that a Remake petition... It. Oh, yeah. it's just like the ultimate like two-year-old tantrum. It's like, like oh, boo-hoo. Uh, it's, it's funny because, like, yeah, I saw this petition and my immediate thought was like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Like, I don't care how bad you think something... Because they did the same with The Last Jedi. It was a big yeah. petition about remaking that film. And I was like, I don't care. And the, the difference is, I you know, I love Last Jedi. This I don't have any connection with. I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't really yeah. care for Game of Thrones. This is a disgusting petition. And I was like, let me read through what this person says. Is this a joke? Mm-hmm. Is this something? And basically, the dude who made it was like, yeah, this was kind of a joke, but now that it's picked up traction, he starts like writing this big paragraph about what the show means to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, no. Back of the matter is, I hated Last Jedi, but I would yeah. never want to remake Last Jedi. Yeah. That, 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 that is hundreds of people putting their lives into a collection and yeah, a goal, like three a years. vision. And it's like, for people to be so ungrateful that not only are they getting their franchise made for them, just because it's not up to their, they're not even their standard, but their perspective. Yeah. And not, you know, chucking a tantrum over it is just unacceptable. And frankly, it's toxic and it's, it's It's not toxic. It's not the right way to go about it because... At this point, it's gonna we're gonna get to a stage in culture where we're gonna be so pedantic and over the top that we might as well just be like, "All right, we're making a Star Wars movie or we're making another Indiana Jones movie. What do you guys want to see?" And mm. then like the top hundred things are just gonna get put in the movie yeah. from like a ballot, and it will be like it won't make any sense, but it'll be like, "Well, but the audience <laughs> got exactly wanted." wanted. You're and then right. the hundred, and then the hundred and one. Thing that we didn't get included in the thing would be the reason why they'd lose their shit. Right, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you go into this whole, you can get into a deeper level of like, this is all fiction, it's all make believe, you know. Yeah. It, there are books of, of this. Obviously, I know the books aren't up to date mm. on what the show's up to, but it's like, at the end of the day, those books are just words that form imaginations in your head that tell a story. And <laughs> it's like, this is all just storytelling. I mean, I, I agree with the consensus that I think the ending has been quite rushed but then it also mm. has been rushed but it took because, two years to make well as i like went on to watch like i watched the show the yeah. thing with game of thrones is it has a very slow pacing mm. it has the breaking bad thing where honestly you can go three or four episodes in breaking bad where nothing happens it's when that something happens on the fifth episode that you're like oh my god i mean for christ's sake yeah. there's a character that like collects rocks halfway through the show <laughs> you know and it is to build his character and his arc they're in minerals, that season Zeke. they're minerals <laughs> but it's like that's literally the state in which that show is and i think um i mean there's an episode involving a fly and it's still directed a great... by ryan johnson yeah yeah and it's still a great episode but it's it is about a guy two guys trying to swat a fly yeah. Which is funny when you think about it. And I think that show, Game of Thrones, had these things where it was like one of the episodes, five or six things happened in this last season. Yeah. But 
if it was any other season of Game of Thrones, they would have happened over five or six episodes rather right. than one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thus, everyone feels like it's wrapping up too quickly. But it's like, I'm sorry, but look at the run times, right? You're trying to tie up like a million loose ends in the space of something like 400 minutes or something yeah. like that of of TV time, which mm-hmm. fact of the matter is um, with every episode running for 60 yeah, minutes and 10 minutes episodes, even, yeah. in a normal season you have 600 minutes, yet this season for some reason only has 400 minutes to wrap yeah. up, cover way more ground. I don't really understand why there was only six episodes. I don't know why the studio wanted to end the show. I don't know, because it wasn't losing views. It was just gaining more traction. That's true. There has to be... But there has to be someone who's smarter than me that has looked at this financially and been like, we cannot sustain this, and we have to right. wrap this up. What, what I think with that... The, the interesting thing is that they knew this season was ending, a series was ending before season seven was released. Yeah. They announced that. So they had two seasons to prepare for this ending. Yeah. Not just the one. So it's like... And you're right. I think they might have wanted to do the AMC Breaking Bad thing where... Um, because that show ended kind of at a point where a lot of people would be like, why did you end it now? You could have gone longer. was to its benefit for being a great show and ending at a great point. And Breaking mm. Bad does that too. Those last eight episodes just cram everything into yeah. those eight episodes, but it works because everything's paid off so well. Um, again, I can't comment on the actual show because I haven't seen it, but um, my main issue is just obviously people's like complete disregard for the work and effort that's been put into these. I mean, I'm just episodes. guesstimating off the top here, but we have two hours, like three hours, 24 hours. Yeah. So roughly about seven hours of TV. Okay. I think it's seven and a half, eight hours. So eight episodes and they're crammed into six. And that still isn't enough time in my opinion to mm. finish this show off. And, um, but that's going to, that's just clearly they were, but like you said, you nailed it on the head. We had over two and a half years to prepare for that. For that. So get over it. It's a show, <laughs> you know, Walking Dead's in what season nine, season 10, yeah. you know, and that's, that's and terrible, but I'm not going to ask them to remake those seasons. I'm just going to stop watching. But, the, but the, that's the thing. It comes back to all things that are on screens. You can just turn it off or look away. Yeah. You don't have to go watch Game of Thrones. That's a Trias of Horror ending. When all, when all the advertisements, like big mannequins and stuff, come to life and trash Springfield. Oh. And the thing is, they just stop looking at it and then they all die. That's it. And the fact, <laughs> of, the, the fact of the matter is, and it's funny you're also talking about Black Mirror in relation to this, because yeah. it's like, just look away. It's It's not that important. And it's yeah. like... The thing is, they're clearly looking at things like uh, like HBO themselves have obviously been like, mm, it's costing, at the end of the day, it's probably, it's costing them too much money. Also, Possibly. all the fans that are complaining, I know for a fact that probably over half of them are pirating the show to watch it. <laughs> so, good job. You're the reason probably why they're not making another season. Yep, exactly. Because you're not giving your money to it. And, like, I buy the DVDs, like, after My the season's got them all on Blu-ray, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I would give them back, but I'm not giving them back the Foxtel revenue or something like that. Well, HBO mm. Go, I'm not paying for those services, but I'm also not here complaining about the show that I'm not paying money for at the time of watching it. Yeah. But I'm that- still paying them back by buying the DVDs. <laughs> when fact of the matter is, most people aren't buying the yeah. DVDs. They'll go, if they want to watch Game of Thrones again, they'll just go back to one, two, three movies or whatever popcorn time and watch them. Yeah. That makes me laugh. It's the image of someone who, like, pirates it 
watches it for free and is like, man, they make a petition. Like, yeah. that's hilarious to me. It's like, imagine if you go to, like, <laughs> you know, like, I think maybe this comes back to the mm. fact of the matter is, I know we're going to a realm where TV and streaming services are becoming the the norm. Yep. But fact of the matter is the cinema's still got it one up on the on the money revenue side because, like, I mean, yeah. look at Avengers Endgame and how much money it's made because the fact of the matter is, yeah, there probably is a pirated <laughs> copy out there, but most people aren't going to want to watch the pirated copy over physically the cinematic experience. So the Avengers Endgame weekly update yes. on the box office. You brought me here, Zeke. I did. You brought me here. Uh, not including the Saturday revenue because we're recording a little too early for that. We are currently sitting at two point five four billion. How long does that to go? What's that? One hundred and sixty-four uh, million or something? No, that is a uh, two hundred and forty-five million short. Okay. But tomorrow uh, or when this episode goes live, we're going to get the Saturday earnings, which is always big. Okay, always like at least fifty plus that million. That's getting per, close, so man. That joke's getting close, and I still haven't watched it again. Well, I think it's time for us to move into our movie of the week. Movie of the week. We don't want to talk about Mortal Kombat being shot in South Australia. Mortal Kombat being shot in South Australia. All right, cool. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, so it's time for our movie of the week, which is Nebraska. Come on. Have a beer with your old man. He's somebody. An aging booze-addled father makes the trip from Montana to Nebraska. Followed along with his strange son, the two go together to claim a million-dollar mega sweepstakes marketing prize. That is a very bare-bones description of Nebraska. Well, it's better than the bloody last one we read last week. It is definitely true. (laughs) Still says on Google, receives, receives. Receives, receives. (laughs) Is that how you're going to remember this film? That's exactly how I'm going to remember it. It's the only thing I remember about this film. It's not a great verdict. Well, the one on the back of the Blu-ray, I think that's more akin to the one we just read then. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's better. better I think, actually, ironically, um, bare-bones for that description kind of, is the aesthetic of this film in a way. It is okay on itself. I mean, Nebraska and Montana are very empty countries, apparently. Yeah, no, Pretty it's bare true. bones. Well, we haven't talked to each other at all about this film. We only we both saw it today. Yeah, I mean, this I film was I saw it earlier direct- in the morning. You saw it kind of... I Just immediately, yeah, yeah. Just a couple of hours ago. Awesome. This film was directed by Alexander Payne and got a lot of, uh, a lot of critical acclaim. Um, this guy yeah, also did the... The Descendants, which I watched a couple of years ago. I haven't really watched it in recent memory. Um, and that's pretty much the, the you know, the top of his uh, uh credits. But Yeah. So he got um he got nominated for Best Director mm-hmm. Academy Awards of that year, as well as uh, Best Film and then of course Best Leading Performance. Yeah. Um so yeah, and then a lot of other stuff with Golden Globes. I figured the a film premiered at Cannes, I think. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And I think you got some awards I mean, from and, that. And this film stars Bruce Dern, Will Forte, yep. June Squibb, and Bob Odenkirk, which is what I sold Jake on <laughs> last week. All, and, I thought he was only in it for two seconds. But <laughs> he is a decent enough. Uh, so was when he comes back, particularly later in on, the he third is. act, he's quite present. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really just his first scene. That was it for a big chunk. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's out. <laughs> Do you not think Will Forte carries this film in his own right? The I think, Bru- I think Bruce Dern carries the film amazingly. Oh. God. But I would love to talk about his performance, though. Which one? Will Forte's or Bruce Dern's? We can Will do it both. Will Forte. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about it both. But, but I'd uh, love, yeah. general consensus, first okay. reactions. Jake, what do you think? Um, This is the kind of film I would predict would have this much like a uh, kind of award suite. I mean, it was a lot of nominations, not a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. 
So I can kind of see that. Um, that being said, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I think you're kind of right in a lot of areas, bare bones. Um, I think there's a lot in there to extract. This absolutely, I think but, this film is um very, very, very smart and okay. very in its. I I love the, but it's smart in the subversion of simplicity too. Like these people aren't in like quote unquote intelligent people, but there's mm-hmm. a lot being said in this film that's quite intelligent. Absolutely. Um, from the very start and opening sequence where it's literally just a collection of very long, wide shots of mm. Bruce Dern wandering through the streets, you before you know, before anything even starts in the like classic credits roll. Yeah. I mean it's hard to, hard not to see Roma vibes in this film. I absolutely compared this to Roma. Not just uh, the black and white, which this whole film is in, yeah. but even just the simplicity of the the use of camera. Yeah, the tripod shots, the 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 slight pans every now and then, very Roma esque, very classic cinema. Both of them are very like, yeah. and both of them, uh, I think, do get credited. I think this one is Paramount Classic or Vintage. I think it's called. Okay, that's cool. Um, which I really like because that opening sequence, followed by the the two minutes of of opening credits at the start of a film. Yeah, you know, it, it although really tastefully sets... short. Yes, unlike not... Roma, tastefully long. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> And simple and clever. And mm. I think um, just that part, you know what type of film this is going to be before, yeah. you know, it really sets the mood perfectly. And I think Payne's done a really good job with that on, as a director. I mean, the man needs to be given some serious props because the performances in this film from oh, those, those big four that I mentioned are just, every one of them has something that's just makes you laugh makes you cringe and makes you feel actual compassion for these characters, which yeah. is just fascinating. It's honestly probably it might be my favorite film I've watched this year so far. Wow. It's, I just, okay. I don't know what it is about this film, but it's so clever. And you're coming fresh off the bat as well. I know. You just watch this. The more I think about scenes just off the top of my head, which I will going to enjoy the highlight scene of this episode. Okay, but, cool. Yeah. Because I got a couple. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just so clever. And it's so... Mm. You really get behind the characters and the dynamic of this family, which I love. I love that, yep. And it feels real. Mm. Which is, like, it's something, like, it doesn't... And the the simplicity of things like soundtracks and and stuff like that, it's just it's great. But back yeah. to you, Jake. What what about you? What's your <laughs> newscaster? <laughs> yeah. Back to you, Jake. No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of things. That that's a little surprising to me. Like your favorite film of the whole year, mm. potentially. It might be duking it out in the final sixteen. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I'm at, I'm not like that. Just blows my mind. Like, wow, you loved it that much, sort yeah. of thing. Because um, you've been raving about like Into the Wild and Tower yeah. and stuff this year, which absolutely kind of it's gonna be a big uh, yeah. it's gonna be a big Cinderella story when I do my bracket <laughs> at the end of the year and have everyone vote to see what everyone thinks is my best film I've watched this year. It's it's gonna be interesting. I definitely this film I definitely got more and more and more into throughout. I think for me, not that it was a rocky start or anything, but I definitely wasn't as invested in that first half an hour as I was by the last half hour. Mm. I think um, by by that time, I was just, you're right. I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. The character uh, dynamic and kind of the, the the realism behind those interactions and those moments, like there's, you know, those arguments. I'm sure you know what I'm, I'm talking about. It's a very specific argument that I guess you could probably call the tip end of Act 2. Um, 
where uh, we'll get into spoilers, mm-hmm. but uh, specifically the uh, you can all go fuck yourself mm-hmm. moment. Great argument because it's so real. It's so uncomfortable. Feels like real. a family, like yeah. a very middle class family arguing about something like in a, all from a very small town sort of perspective where they all know each other yeah. and they all talk about, it's just simple things like when, um, you know, like I think the the first time where I'm like, okay, I'm buying into this film is when Bob Odenkirk and Will Forte are talking at the head of the garage Yep, yep. and Odenkirk's like, oh, I've, I've chugged up the engine so it's going to take him longer to work it out and he's talking about putting him in a home <laughs> and it's like they just like the fact that they know this relationship and they and and yeah. Odenkirk has always felt hard done by by you know Bruce Stern's character mm. you know, as a father figure he's yeah. come a bit of neglectful alcoholic most of his life whereas Will Forte he he plays the role of kind of the 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 son that hasn't who's more a reflection of his dad but not like he feels like he's a little bit of a loser but like he does that thing that that dynamic between children as mm. parents are aging and they're getting towards the end of their life is amazing because I've such a seen power that switch. I've seen it firsthand with my mum and her her like relatives mm. when her mum was passing away and like how some of them are like throwing their parents under the bus while others kind of feel sorry for them even though that their parent hasn't been the best and they've kind of been yeah. second to none and it's just. That sort of stuff is really clever and interpersonal and and can clearly... It comes from a place of someone that knows to an extent what that relationship's like. And I've always said this as a writer. Some of the things I have... Biggest grievances I have, particularly with more student scripts, is they try and write about themes and ideas that they have not lived or reflect. Mm. You know, you can write a period piece, but if you're trying to talk about ideas about, like family dynamics if you're going to talk about alcoholic perennial figures you have to write them correctly because if you don't write them correctly everyone that's watching it that does have a family member that's similar to that they're not going to buy into your narrative and if you buy into stereotypes of stuff which this film most certainly does not Mm. it constructs a person that clearly is an alcoholic but he's a person who doesn't acknowledge really he sort of does at points with forte Acknowledge that he is an alcoholic, but you know he kind of spins it in a way that it makes. Oh, that him, Forte say. himself is an alcoholic. No, the the, um, Bruce Dern's character. Oh, right, right, right. No, well, they—that's a big part of it. And they have a that's conversation a where he goes like, "Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, yeah, I am, but you're also an asshole, so fuck you, basically." That was a great conversation of like when when he says like, "You know, I pay my taxes, I've served my country. Like, yeah. why the hell am I not allowed to drink?" Exactly. You know? And it's interesting because we don't really see the other side of that. We don't, we don't flash back to their childhood of him treating them like shit or anything like that. We yeah. get none of that. We get a very outsider perspective into this. That's why I like the arguments because it's hard to be like, I don't know whose side to pick because I don't know who's right. Yeah. I don't know but if this is true At not. the end of the day, Forte's still there for his parents because it doesn't yeah. matter how much of a shitty dad he was, he mm. was still compassionate and he still loves his dad Yeah, because they're humans and... He's crushed that his dad's sort of getting to the end of his life and he's getting more and more confused and mm. he's buying into this fake lotto ticket idea, this chance to kind of fix maybe some parts of his life that he messed up in hindsight. And it really comes yeah. back to that self-loathing of, of the character of Bruce Dern and it's just perfect. It's 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 really well done. And I do I like I said, I do want to talk a bit about bit about Forte's um performance. Mm-hmm. Because it really, it was interesting at first, because you're right, he's the character that's, he's the one telling all the other family members, hey, give him a break, you know, yeah. he needs this he's experience. He's a bit senile, he's a bit, he's a bit on, and he needs that sort of 
win. Yeah, but um, I think he seems yeah David. So he played David's the name of the character, and yeah. um, I feel like his performance and I guess the way he w- was directed, he's got a very Boy Scout kind of naivety to him in the way he talks and the way he, yeah. I, I kind of really like that. It took me a while to get into, um, at first, but I obviously understand why because he needs that kind of fresher perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when he's going around the old town and he's he's hearing stories of like. Oh, you know, your dad used to do this. Your dad used to do that. He dated mm. this person, you know. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know that." And he has that naivety to him. Mm. And I really appreciate that because that's something I had to buy into. Oh, I think it's, I think it's fascinating because that's sort of a relationship that some, particularly that sort of generation of people have with um, their sort of baby boomer parents, mm. um, where they don't always know too much about their parents, even though they may have lived with them their entire life and grown up in the same household. Yeah. Because of one thing or another, I mean, they talk about it. Bruce Dern's character is not the same after he came back from Korea, and he got mm. and the story he told his son all those years wasn't true. He didn't just serve on a, a base; he was actually in the conflict. He got shot down, and yeah. he was left becoming more contemplative. But he didn't discover that through Dern himself. He other it. characters, external yeah. sources, and that stuff starts to build the narrative of why the origin of Dern's character's self-loathing and a need mm. for a win. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's contrasted because, it, you know, it feels as soon as he gets a win in life, everyone around him that's supposed to be in his life wants to take a piece of the pie. Yeah, wants to absolutely. Take a piece of I mean, you get his win. several scenes of different people, and that's what we alluded to earlier with the family. I think, you know, you know the show, spoilers, it's going to mm. happen, but um, absolutely watch this film uh, before you watch the rest of this little bit here. Um, but you're right, I think those... Moments really work when mm. you have um, Ed, the 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 guard from Prison Break, who I love so much. Um, when you come, when he comes to the bathroom and he's like, "So your dad actually owes me a lot of money," you know, yeah. and you're like, "I don't." You first off, you don't know if it's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does owe him ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Frankly, who cares to an extent? Yeah. Um, but I thought that was fascinating because you get that countered with like other stories of people saying niceties about him. And you're learning all this history, this backstory about this guy, and that's why you don't need these flashbacks or anything like no. that. You're learning all these interesting tidbits about his character that obviously go on to build what he's doing well, now. Well, it has to happen in this way for this story to really work because it really works with that sort of country town feel where everyone knows everyone yep. and and like the women just sit around and they talk about who's getting with who or who's having children. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. men sit around and... And that scene, that one scene, I know we're not going to get into highlight scenes, but that <laughs> highlights it perfectly where it's like um, David sitting down with his two cousins and they're, oh, he's, yeah. they're, the cousins are trying Those to talk about fun. talk about cars and they're like both him and Bob Odenkirk own Asian-made cars. Yeah. And it's just real simple where it's just like... Yeah, but how big's the engine? He's like, oh, I don't really know. Four-cylinder. Yeah, Um, but how big's the engine? (laughs) And he's just like, I I don't know. That's me. That is literally me anytime. But it's just so funny because it's like the the long pauses and drawn-out awkward familiness Mm. because everyone almost is like, they're either really old or they're not very (laughs) smart. Yeah, And that perfect (laughs) mix of the two, yeah. And it's like, it's that perfect undertone of humour on a subverting the really heavy and great family mm. thematic themes that this film conveys, honestly. Yeah. It's really good. I'm really 
like I I appreciated this film a lot, but like just hearing you talk about it now, I'm like that it's true, and it's not like I didn't pick up any of the stuff you're talking yeah. about, but just like the way we're talking about it now is like this is really really well done. And I can see why it was very well received, and um mm. yeah, because that happens sometimes when films get these critical acclaims. You go in with a, an expectation of okay, was well, this just one of those sort of artsy films that's like really yeah, yeah, like yeah. glasses pushed close to the forehead, <laughs> touch his like turtleneck wearing filmies? <laughs> uh, okay, sorry, Jack, <laughs> uh, but that's the truth. <laughs> and uh, I about. think uh, uh, you approach a film like this, like oh, okay, ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, but honestly, I don't think I've had watched a film like Roma has some similar family things but i just think this film tackles it's a completely different dynamic it's It's different two different countries and different time periods yeah but with the same kind of eye yeah observant eye and i love it i just think this film addresses it so well and gives you that perfect mix of making you like and the thing is you're getting characters like bob odenkirk and will forte to perform in your films forte has been known to be in kind of stupid comedy sort of yeah, roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in a futile and stupid gesture, which I did watch on my challenge also 30 or 40 films ago. Mm. And that was about the guy who made National Lampoon. And he plays oh, that guy. Right. And that film's very like genre breaking and it's kind of silly, but it's got the harder hitting, but it doesn't hit the same league as this yeah. film. And um, Odenkirk's been multiple funny roles. I mean, he's honestly probably the the funny slapstick guy in in Breaking Bad. You know, to yeah. kind of balance out the yeah, heavier even characters. within the world of Breaking Bad, he's still the relief. Yeah, almost. Um, and I'm not so sure about Better Call Saul. You could probably oh, relate. He's fantastic in it, but he's still that lighter. He's still got it. Like he's got his other side. He's got his uh, you know, what's his persona like when he's not at work? Sort of yeah, kind of vibe. But you're right. He's also still got that. Very much comedic it's a light, side hard to charm, and I think in this film, he takes on a little bit more of a serious role, but he's still a part of this bickering. So the bit where he picks a fight with one of the cousins, yeah, yeah and he's yeah. like, "Don't hit the face." I work on television. That like, felt like a soul moment yeah. so much. <laughs> I just it, little things like that where it's like because they're all fighting over this phony this money, magazine, yeah. but it, we know as an audience, it's a it's not money. But I love how when the, when the two the cousins they they steal it, mm. they rob it off. Um, in one of the most awkward looking robberies too. Ah, oh, how great is it though? It's so perfect. I was like, I was kind of waiting for um, I was kind of waiting for like Dave and uh, what's the dad's name again? How am I blanking on this? Oh, Bruce Dern's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote this down. Oh wait, here we go. <laughs> Woody. Oh my god, Woody. I knew this. Woody. So like when they're robbing him and Woody and they like take it out. I love that they almost immediately, like, come back and are like, are you kidding me? Of course yeah. this is fake. Like, even they know. Like, they yeah. don't get fooled into it. There's no bloody chase to Nebraska. Like, who's going to get but there the, first? But the follow-up it's, scene's yeah. perfect because it's like, Will goes to the house. Yeah. He knows it's fake. He's not getting the ticket because it's real. Yeah. He's getting it because his dad's broken, essentially. He's he, trying to give his dad that adventure. He's lost, he's lost that, mm. yeah, that faith. And I don't like that they outright say it in the film when he's talking to the, the mum character and she's like, why are we bloody out here? And then he just straight up says like, hey, we need to give him this before he passes away. I don't like that they kind of spelled that out a but bit. But isn't that what families sort of do in those kind of side I, dogs? Yeah, I, I buy it, but I was like, I, it could have been, been a teeny tiny bit smarter. I think. Yeah. It could have been um, a little teeny tiny more subtle. 
That's the thing that doesn't make it perfect. There we go. We found it. We <laughs> it's found a nine point nine five in the Zeke calendar. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But like, I mean, like I said, like that didn't bother me or anything. I was just like, ah, okay, but still. But you, know. Then, uh, you know, the follow-up scenes when Bob Odenkirk and Forte steal an air compressor. I love and that that's the from their <laughs> yeah. I love it's from their perspective. We're, we're in the car with them watching them run in and come back, and then it was like that's not it. And I saw it because it's like it's gonna pay off when he did the thing with the teeth. The most. And they're like, no, that wasn't his house. Oh. <laughs> they have to go back and hide and chase after the car. I love it. That was great. All I the th- perspective stuff from that was really nice. So do you want to break into highlight scenes? Um, I don't know. Have we? I mean, we sort we sort of covered a lot. I think. I think it's a very This film's a film. must-see. All right. They're like in the last 18 weeks where we've watched films, all of them to an extent... No, not all of them. Some of them we've <laughs> recommended highly. This is definitely in my highly recommended category. Um, this was like something we would have done in those first two episodes of this show. Yeah, we had some... We picked some strong starters. And we've had some, we've had some strong showings over those weeks. We've had some not-so-strong showings. We've had some controversial ones. But this one is pretty outright. <laughs> There's very recently um, controversial ones. I think this one outright is definitely, between me and you, pretty widely thumbs up. And it's on, you know, it's out there to get. It's out there on Blu-ray. I had to go... I had to buy this my second JB... They didn't actually have it my first... I probably bought the one they had at the first JV. <laughs> oh, really? I bought one too from JV. What, in the last week? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which JV? Off um, Leech? The, not Burragoon, the other one. I bought it from Burragoon. Oh, you did? I think so. I had to go to Burragoon to find it. That was my second... Maybe I bought it from Ari. No, I bought it from Ari. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. You son of a bitch. I, probably, I stole it. <laughs> I had to it. drive to two different stores. Yeah, well... But they had a deal on. There was like, you know, the two for one if you pick like a select... So I got the uh, the nice guys, great. Movie. So I got that film for fifteen bucks on Blu-ray, and then I got Nebraska for free with that. So that's great how movie. I got it. Um, also, if you're gonna if you're gonna put your films on DVD, if you're gonna put music on your menu, do not put the same music that is right at the start of the film, because every time that happens, it annoys me. Okay, so you didn't yeah. like the menu. No, well, you have the menu and you have like your soundtrack mm. over it, but then you start the film and the first song in the first 30 seconds is the same soundtrack. And it's like, I've just been listening to this on loop for like half an hour. This is a very similar... Uh, this, this happens very, all the time. This is a very simple soundtrack too, which I love. It, it's yeah. elegant. It's beautiful. It's subtle. It's fucking dope. <laughs> it's really good. I think it was a little repetitive. I think they used the same tune a few too many times in, now, in places. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I, it was still just enough variety. I was like, I really enjoy it. And you're right, it's very appropriate. Yeah, I think there's slight variations of a sim- similar sort of music theme. But yeah, I yeah. I could see how that could grate a little bit. But it I didn't mind sort it. of plays into yeah. the classic Hollywood sort of style of kind That's of true. using... I feel like this is very much uh, Payne's tackling of a classic Hollywood film with pretty universally understandable themes like it doesn't matter what culture you're in if you list if you watched a french dub of this you probably understand what's going on you know probably not to the same extent but the fact that i can understand this movie and and you can understand this movie and we can really interpret this and take it into our own lives is Mm. honestly for me what what filmmaking is all about and i think that's what this film really does it takes an idea that clearly He's associated with and knows to justify and make this film, and I think that's something that most people need to learn as mm. film filmmaking. This is what sets the really good films apart from 
the just average a, just films. the mass <laughs> of film. Yeah. It's this is what sets it in the top ten percent. You well, know? it's those little details. It's finding like a, a theme that doesn't have to be a universal theme, but you can make it universal through like subtle details. Mm. You know, like there's little things in this family that not everyone's going to relate to, but there's little tiny nuggets in there that people are like. I relate to that aspect. Like yeah. the big family dinner, I can relate to that. Yeah. But not everyone else is gonna. And I mean, it's it's not necessarily like you can go and make you know. A western, a period piece, a sports movie. As long as the ideas and themes incorporated in that film are stuff that you know and can relate and can construct and meld mm. into a script idea. If you are just making something for the sake of making it, you're not going to get to the same effect, and you're not going to buy into your audiences like films like this does, or like yeah. Roma does, or like Private Life does. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, you're right. Roma and Private Life are two great examples of films that find a way to take these themes and make it universal and make people buy into it. Yeah. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's easier said than done. You know, filmmaking is very hard, but it, it's also a very simple thing. I mean, it's, just, a, that's it's a core it. rule that's very hard to keep. <laughs> yeah, basically. no, absolutely. And, no. you know, in the mass of filmmaking, it's easy absolutely. to kind of lose perspective in that sometimes, but I think this film does a wonderful job at holding on to that perspective. Absolutely. All right, well, we can go on highlight scenes if you want. I want you to start because it sounds like you've got many to pick from. Yeah, I think um, the big one, the, the, the two big ones I want to note, or the three, um, I love the scene with, uh, I'm going to have to remember this now, Woody and David Dave, yep. go sit down with all the family members. It's yep. all dudes sitting, watching the telly. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that start with like a, sw- a side wipe? Yes. Like, what? There are side wipes in this movie. Wasn't it just the one? No, there's two or three. Oh, okay. Um, there are I side only wipes. noticed that one. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars It's now? real classic Hollywood. It's gone. I know, it's but gone. it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but honestly, that bit when they're sitting there, I was laughing nonstop at, the bit, at how awkward and how yeah. all you can see is Forte's on the right of frame and he's just looking at all the old people as they're talking. They're just like, oh, yeah, do you used to have that car? No. Uh, I sold it. I sold it. Oh, they don't make them like they used to. Why don't you have that car anymore? It broke down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's something great about that, man. Like, I don't know. I nah. just think that, you know, you got to give it, you got to give it props. And that scene is just an example of how this family dynamic works between characters. It's, yeah. it's truly, it's great. And then there's that scene and there's the, the exchanges between, oh, I mean, when Woody and David go see Mount Rushmore, and it's just... I forgot about that. That's a great that scene. where he's just like, it looks half done, you know. It's, Wash is the only one with clothes. He's kind of right, though. <laughs> he, kind of, he, he cuts back between the two, and it's just like something that such a crudy old man would say. Yeah. Like, and, like, his, his son's so, so like, Boy Scout happy is the way I would describe him. And, like, he's just like, come on, Dad, let's go see Mount Rushmore together. Sort of, like, trying to relive, like, a moment that he never got as a child. Yeah. It's something that children would do is go see something like Mount Rushmore, like... In Australia, you'd probably go see something, I don't know, fucking like Uluru or something. Isn't it like Dog Rock in Albany or something like that? Wave Rock? Wave Rock. Maybe, yeah. Wave Rock. If it was Is that Albany? No? It's a little bit inland. Yeah. Okay, but... it's there. Or, you know, like something like that you'd go see as a I family. swear there's a Dog Rock, though. Might be. It might be. Rock the shape of a dog head. Huh, there you go. Yeah. But Look yeah, and I just love how like it's only like a minute scene, but it's just 
sets the dynamic of this family, like these this yeah. son and father, perfectly. That it's like, oh, it's so great, and just little things like to really incorporate how David's a little bit of a loser. He's not like he's such a nice guy and he's sweet and constantly gets reminded mm. about how kind of f- almost feminine he is in an extent. Like he's okay. a bit of a. He's, I think there's a comment that one of the women goes, "He's like, oh, you're like a prince of a china shop." And it's like, it's like, yeah, you're beautiful, but you're like dainty and yeah, kind of yeah. a bit mushy. Well, we get those sneak peeks into his life. Like he has that girl who's moved out. You want to talk about a subtle thing about how I like that? Okay. Okay. Because they never address it again. I like that. I don't, that. but I, I, but I like how she's not gorgeous. Right? She's overweight. Yeah. Um, Without being rude or anything. She's overweight. She's admittedly batting and it's so clever because what it is that's pain considering he's a bit of a loser he kind of has no self-confidence and he's kind of without being rude kind of batting below where normally people would conceive him batting basically right. you know, batting below is average as the expression goes she's not glamorous but clearly he likes the relationship they had it felt very real you yeah. know it felt very like not twenties. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, well, that's, like, that's all the craze is going out with the hottest people, and, the, and then like they got to a point. Where it was like, no, that's fine. That's totally fine. Like they don't have to be the most glamorous looking people. In the world. I, I, that's a great point. That I forgot to mention. And it's just a clever consideration that he's like, I want to ground this film in reality, and that's the reality. Is some sometimes it's like, yeah, you're not feeling like that's maybe that's not him batting below his average, but it's more the case of he's comfortable with that. Yeah, and and that's just where he is in life, and we can perceive that as you know he, he has no real confidence because she is kind of lambasting him and telling him to make decisions that he's not doing. Yeah, well, she I mean comes... that just plays right into his character as a, as, a, as, a, as a passive person. Yeah, but obviously he makes less passive decisions when with his father. Yeah, um, or he kind of learns to kind of go Absolutely. with the flow in that regard. But that would be my like little highlight scenes. Nice. Yeah. I got I got a couple I love to mention. Um. One little moment I actually noticed this. So mm-hmm. when he first meets Ed uh, in the bar, yeah. who obviously goes on to hound him for $10,000 and wants his money, mm-hmm. um, the first thing he actually ever says to him is, uh, I think I actually got the quote here. I can find my little quotation marks. Uh, hey, don't you owe me a couple of bucks? He says that to Ed. And then Ed turns around and he's like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in years sort of thing. I thought there was a clever little nod there. Mm. That's kind of the first thing he's talking about money, and then they swap it around afterwards. Yeah, that was quite clever. Um, all right, so I got I got three scenes in mind, so we're okay. gonna cover them. Uh, one of them is the ending. I think the ending's yeah. actually fantastic. Oh, I forgot about the ending. I'm so glad when you brought it up. He has the car now. You made me cry. <laughs> made really? Me cry. Oh, you did. I I yeah. think it's just this. You you walk through it, and then we can go through it. Okay. Well, basically, we've gone through the arc um, of Woody who he keeps wanting to buy this pickup truck, and then we find out that he actually wants to buy it, um, obviously for himself, for his work, but also to uh, have something to give down uh, to his kids. I don't mm. know if he's talking about the money specifically or the truck as well. Uh, irregardless, Dave buys a truck. He trades his car in for the truck and then lets his dad drive it, which is something he's been going on mm-hmm. the whole movie. He wants to drive. His son won't let him. Now his son's letting him drive. Mm-hmm. And he's able to drive around his old town, and Dave's ducking under the window so no one can see he's there. And he's driving past all these people, people who've either you know shouted praise for him, welcomed him back, or have hounded him for money, like all these things. And, he's and all these people that think he's just a senile old man, and yeah. he's on his way out. And he's and he proves to them in that moment that his 
you know, he's more than that in his own little world. You know, it's it's beautiful. And I completely understand why you would cry at that. It's just it's something it's something about it. It's really it's just, it comes back to you think it's I hate using the phrase filmmaking one oh one because it's so <laughs> selling short. We've already done how that seek. Intelligent <laughs> that it is though. It's basically like setting up a goal mm, yep. at the end of the film and paying it off. And it's it's just the perfect example of cause and effect. Showing a relationship arc, showing character arcs, showing an understanding, compassion, and really connecting to your audience all in one hit. And it's honestly, it's satisfying. And it's and yeah. the score in that moment is unique. Yep, absolutely. And it's perfect. And it's exactly, and it just starts with a real wide, it finishes with that real wide shot. As oh, it just goes yeah. down, and it's credits, and then yeah. you know, honestly, it's it's funny. It's it, we keep comparing it to Roma, but even cinematic, like cinematography wise, it's very similar. Well, not to just an black ex- and white. to an extent. I mean, there are the long shots that Curon does that this film doesn't. It does in a different way. It does like the there's definitely the not tripod. any long shots I recall specifically. This one does them more in the sense of, but it's still rigid camera movement, whereas Curon does mm. do uh, moving camera quite a bit, but. This one definitely locks into place and lets you sit in the frame and take in yeah. everything. Which They're is both observant, uh, observative cameras, if you will, yeah. and um, play um, with in different ways. Just perfect. It was I, per- think, I think the main thing with me for the ending is I was getting through this... Like I said, I progressively throughout, I was getting more and more into mm-hmm. it. And it was that thing of like, okay, well, clearly it's not going to end with him getting a million dollars. Yeah. In my back of my mind, I was like, that'd be kind of interesting if he goes and like, oh, here you go. Here's a million dollars. Yeah. But and the, on the token, I was like, how are they going to, how is this going to end satis- in a satisfying way? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, I didn't know. I was like, what could they do to satisfy me? And they did it. They did that scene. I was like, holy but shit. But at the end of the day, it. and that that's the smart part about this film, Payne, yeah. or the writer, who I will get his name up because he deserves to be mentioned. But yep. um, fact of the matter is, what did they do? They spread the breadcrumbs throughout the movie of what the real goal is. The real the, goal, the real story is, And yeah. that's like any good road trip movie. It needs to it needs to lay that groundwork out. It needs to lay the core meanings. Into the Wild yeah. does it perfectly. Yeah. Lays exactly the motive throughout the entire thing that he's really running away from his issues, his issues with his family, and he never gets to address them. And he may find himself out there, but there's no real point in finding himself out there. Yeah. And without his family noticing. And this one really just is talking about legacy and mm. the family relations you leave when you leave the earth. And... It does things that are really clever, like that scene at the graveyard where... That was another highlight scene. Oh, I'm glad I picked you off that one. in that graveyard scene is masterful. Yeah. I know I said that last week for a doco, but the when it, it's it's Dave and his mum commenting on... The, you know, they're going through Gravestone, Gravestone, and they're commenting on this person, this person. She's saying all these nasty things about each one. And, <laughs> and you're she's, like... She's between is... nasty and guys who wanted to fuck her. I know, and then she pulls her skirt up, whatever. <laughs> what even? That was so good. But here's the thing. What's masterful about that is you have that, and it's like a comedic funny, like, oh, yeah. look at her bloody ranting on. Another family... You can associate any family member from your family who's like that, mm-hmm. but then it cuts to Woody... And he's just got this look on his face, and it's like, wow. Because you yeah. don't know. Is he like, is he being like distraught by all these awful things that his wife's saying right now about his family? Or is he just exhausted? Or is he exhausted? Or does he not know where he is, you know? Yeah. Beautiful edit. And then it happens with Dave as well. They even cut to him 
and he kind of does he's a similar like disgust, thing. He's but... sort of like he's just take. It's perfect. It's, it's like literally so perfect. Three characters who are just killing it in that scene. Oh perfectly. my god! And exp- with with Dern, he's expressing so much with literally next to no dialogue in this film. Uh, you know, Forte is doing amazing as mm. his character is. Da- and honestly, yeah, it's just such a. F- it's that perfect mix of humor, but drama in the same scene. And yeah. There's That's where very Dern's... walks a very dangerous line, mm-hmm. but it nails it. It nails it perfectly. No imbalance whatsoever. Mm. Um, yeah, that, I think that scene alone is where Dern gets his Oscar nomination right there. Yeah, uh, film was written by Bob Nielsen, by the way. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I think that's probably my favorite scene in the entire film. But one more scene I do want to give a bit of a shout out while we're in their highlights, mm-hmm. very long highlight session, if you will, uh, is they're looking for the uh, sweepstake little letter thing. Yep. And they find it in the hands of Ed, who's reading it out to a whole clan of people in the bar, and he's making fun of him, and, you know, oh, look mm-hmm. at this silly thing. And then they have another example of great long shots of just Woody very slowly walking over, grabbing a letter, turning around, not saying a word, he walks away, and then his son walks up and doesn't know what to do for a minute, he gives him a stare, and then he does it, I'm like, yes, punches him right in the face. <laughs> Great moment. Not my favourite scene. I think the graveyard scene is my favourite, but a brilliant scene. Real funny thing about this Nelson guy. Um, okay. But I'm giving a peruse, <laughs> giving a peruse to his writings here. So he was the writer on The Eyes of Nye, which was in 2005. No clue what that is. Um, okay. But after Nebraska, he went on to do Heiston and The Confirmation, and what is looking to be both are family sort of based movies. Oh, so well, there you clearly go. he's got a theme going on. I find it interesting this isn't a writer director combo. Yeah. That's actually fascinating. Well, um Nebraska is out on Blu-ray. Yep. And... Uh it's not on Netflix, but apparently it's on Stan. So there if you have Stan, you should have a good go at that. Give this one an absolute watch. If uh we really should start inventing maybe like a, a golden circle of some kind where Maybe. we put all our best films or something but definitely this I, one I, is... I was ho- I, I was hoping you weren't going to leave with the um like the the you know oh good buy it on blu-ray or watch it if i'm drunk like those final ratings because i don't that's not what the show's about but i'm glad you didn't go there no i was thinking more a uh putting all our favorite gotcha. films that we've reviewed on the show into a uh and a a bubble of some kind a or a, a trophy or something. I don't know. <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> Cinema Sideshow Hall of Fame. The Cinema Sideshow Hall of Fame. I, I always like love that. these pictures I do halfway through a show. It's always fun. Um, anyway, love we'll it. move into uh, what's new in cinemas this week in Australia. Yeah. Uh, do you have a list, sir? I do actually have a list. I've been a little bit slow on this. I just Googled it now and it just says Avengers Endgame, Detective Pikachu, and John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, Google... <laughs> But that's yeah. a good point. John Wick 3 came out last week. We didn't say that last week, but we're saying mm. it this week that it did come out last week. Yeah. Uh, but is <laughs> sorry for the, the Ben Stiller, I know you know I know scene <laughs> just then. Uh, but what else is coming out this week? Well, um, pretty much. It's uh, looking pretty barren this week from what okay. I can read. Um, nothing. Reading, this is word of the week. Barren. Yeah. My word of the week. <laughs> it's the word of the week. What's uh, that Simpsons episode where they just start screaming? Like, no. like someone's in hiding and then they're like Krusty the Clown's like, that's your word of the week. Nothing this week? Honestly, don't think there's anything of note this week, Jack. Damn. Yeah. I bet I bet there's something like huge with forgetting. However, just because you've brought up it. John Wick 3. Chapter 3, Parabellum. Ch- chapter 3, Parabellum. That is what we're watching next week on the show. 
You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Wet broke the rules. After turning down a member of the high table with the shadowy International Assassin's Guild, legendary hitman John Wick finds himself stripped of the organization's protective services. Now stuck with a $14 million bounty on his head, Wick must fight his way through the streets of New York as he becomes the target of the world's most ruthless killers. This film was directed by Chad Staleski. He's back. He's back for his third installment of the franchise. Jakey boy. We'll so we've already seen this film. We have. I might go see it again this week. I'm Ooh, not going to lie. Just teasing it. Pants. Um, I might try and watch it again, yeah. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe we go back again. We had a lot of fun the first time, but maybe we should give it another go. Well, we went to a preview screening, mm-hmm. as you saw. came out the same day as it did in Finland. Yes. But we saw it early in Australia. That's yeah. where we live, mate. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. And, and uh, honestly, if we didn't have such a good film to talk about this week, we probably would have just boycotted. But Nebraska was worth a watch. I'm so. really glad you uh, suggested that last week. Yeah, well, thank you. Because it kind of because we didn't realize John Wick had already come out, so it kind of derailed our initial thinking. That's okay, though. Uh, but it, it worked out. I think it worked out very It's perfectly. going under the hammer next week. So it gives people a lot of opportunity to watch John Wick 3 before we talk about it. Parabellum. Yeah, so thank you for watching the Cinema Side Show. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Parabellum.